You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you. Good morning to everybody online as well. Um, so today, uh, we've been looking at the, at the book of James, and today we're wrapping up this sermon series of in, in, that we're looking at the book of James, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the power of prayer. Now, you might be asking, wasn't Pastor Paul supposed to be here this morning? And you would be right, he was supposed to be here, but then uh, yesterday as we were meeting with the elders for, uh, for a retreat to, um, to look at the coming years of Crossroads and to pray and to, to, to brainstorm vision, Paul, Paul had to go home, and he didn't feel well at all, and uh, so he gave me his notes, and uh, so I'm here now preaching his sermon, and uh, we've got big shoes to fill there, and, uh, but we'll define. Um, it's about the power of prayer, and it is so fitting, isn't it? Uh, I think in these unusual circumstances, uh, this, this sermon probably got more prayer than any other sermon. <laughs> Right? In the, in the whole preparation, Paul's been praying and trying to listen to God and, 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 and discern what God wanted to tell us as a community, what, he, what, what God has put on his heart. And then yesterday, Paul went home, the elder board started praying for me, started praying for Paul. And then this morning, I, I met with the prayer team here, and I've been praying for this sermon. So a lot of prayer went into this. So I hope, uh, I, and my prayer is that, that God will be here, because it's not about me, it's not about Paul, it's about God showing up and his... his his Holy Spirit working in our hearts. So I think it's fitting if we start with prayer again. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much that you are a living God and we're not dependent on ourselves but on you and that um, we just want to invite you here this morning to talk to us, to speak to our hearts. With, with your Holy Spirit, you will reveal what you have for each of us individually. And uh, Lord, we pray for Paul. Will you, uh, will you heal him? Will you help him to get back on his feet so that uh, he, can, he can lead us again? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, there's one thing I need to do, because I know Paul would have done that this morning. Are there any South Africans in the room here? <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Now, in the last few weeks, we're looking at the book of James. And uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus, and, and he wrote a, a short little letter to all the followers of Jesus in, scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, James shows us what pure faith looks like, what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And the letter is full of practical wisdom for daily living, all centered around the royal law, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything in you, and your neighbor as yourself. And so we talked about loving how, how we treat the poor and, and the widow and the orphan and how we deal with our wealth. We, we, we looked at the power of words that you just 
can't just go around saying whatever to whomever in whatever way you like. No, words have power. Power to build up, power to tear down. And, 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 and our God is, is a God who's about building up and not about tearing down. So we need to watch our words. And uh, we, we, we looked at God being the source of wisdom. And that whenever we need wisdom, we can go to him and just ask. We looked at how to respond to difficult situations in life and, and, and how, uh, how we face trials and difficulties. And then last week, we looked at showing favoritism and, and the connection between pride and partiality and prejudice and, and the role of humility. And today, we're looking at something that will change our lives, that has the power to alter our lives. Today, we're talking about the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful. And it can change us. So, we've been handing out these memory verses. Today you found another one on your seat. I hope it's been going well. Let's take them out and um, let's read it together. The one for today. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's do it again. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Right. When I think back over my life and see the, the role of prayer in my life, I'm not really a, a very good prayer warrior, I don't think, but I, I've seen God work through prayer. You know, when I was stuck in a job that I didn't like, um, and my heart was with everything I did in the church, and I was praying for quite some time for God to say, well, get me out of this job. And I, I was praying for God to show me next steps, at first, I was dreaming small. I thought, you know, I'll just get another job, and then maybe in the evening I'll do a Bible school or something or some courses and get equipped. But as I was praying, God brought a bigger dream in my life and said, no, you need to study full-time. And so I did. Um, this vision grew on me. But in the same time, he told me to wait, to stay in my job, because he wasn't finished with me yet. I had things to learn still. Um, now, we can do a whole sermon series about hearing the word of God, hearing the voice of God. Now, I didn't hear it very audible. For me, it's more of, of a conviction, something that grows inside, almost a feeling, right? And uh, sometimes it goes against all rationality. Like here, staying in a job I didn't like, or starting to study full-time without an income and having a little one on the way. It didn't make sense. So, um, I still felt that the Lord was calling me to do that. And against all rationality, when I was then offered a promotion, I thought, now, this is it. This is my sign that I can actually leave this job now. I've learned what I needed to learn. So, so I left, started studying, and kept looking for God to, for confirmation, right? First, first confirmation was, well, okay, if I do a course, will I get, actually get good grades, or will I not even, not even pass? So I got good grades, so that's one. And then I was like, okay, keep looking. If, is this really what the Lord wants me to do? And then out of the blue, people started supporting us financially with us, without us asking. And we could, we could study uh, full-time and get us through the, whole, through the whole education there. So God confirmed it. So, you know, I was listening to God's voice and God confirmed it. But all through prayer, God was leading this. Prayer has shaped my life. So today, we want to look at a passage from James 5. Let's, uh, let's read it together. James tells us, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. 
Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So in these verses, there are like four themes, four things that we, we like to highlight. So the first is prayer is always appropriate. James in verse 13 um, calls us individuals as individuals to prayer. And he reminds us there's never a situation that's not appropriate to, to, to pray in, that, that God can't, can't reach out to us. If anyone is in trouble, pray. If you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. Each and every situation, prayer is always appropriate. In the few verses just before this, uh, this passage, James teaches us in that instead of grumbling or complaining about our situation or trying to control our situation, we should pray. We should wait patiently for the Lord, right, for His coming, but also for God to help us now. And he looks at the example of Job. Job persevered, the theme we looked at before in this sermon series. And then, and then it, we see in that passage what the Lord finally brought about, that we can trust God, that he's full of grace and mercy, that he's on our side. Yes, we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, but also God wants to bless us now. He wants to bring healing now. So then I want to draw your attention to this phrase, let them sing songs of praise. It's interesting how singing and prayer are connected here. It's implied that singing songs of praise is a form of prayer. James raises the importance of songs of prayer in our praise in our prayers to God. You know, the psalms are, are basically um, prayers put to, put to music. And when we sing songs of praise, when we come here on a Sunday morning to worship, we're not just singing songs, but praying. And I love that. Sometimes I don't know how to put words to my prayers. And these songs help me put words to my prayers. But even sometimes it's, it's more than that. It's not just the words. It's, there's, there's a heart-to-heart -heart connection with God when I'm, when I'm worshiping. A heart-to-heart -heart connection without words. The way it's written in Greek, the, the, the singing of praise and praying, is an imperative. So it can be translated that it's not just a nice to do, or what we should, but what we should do, what we must do, and do it continually and repeatedly. Sing songs of praise, something you must do. We should view prayer as a, as a um, revolutionary tactic almost, that a weapon that God has given us for our lives to help us follow him rather than just living passively and uh, in the resignation to our situation, we are to talk to our Father in heaven, align our hearts with his heart, to, to talk with him what's on our hearts. When we struggle, when we don't understand, when we need wisdom and we're thankful, we invite his wisdom into our lives. We invite his power into a situation. 
prayer is powerful because we're asking the maker of the universe to intervene. The only person who can actually make a difference, we're asking to come into the situation. Earlier in chapter 4, we're reminded that in prayer, we enlist the aid and, and we reach out to the ear of the host of hosts. The Lord hears us when we cry to Him, it says. Our God is more than capable of righting our wrongs and helping us in our pain. I don't know about you, but I, I feel I can do better. <laughs> How's your prayer life? Let's, let's move to point two. The power of prayer is magnified in authentic community. In the next few verses of this passage, James highlights for us that uh, the power of prayer in authentic community is powerful, is magnified, is, is made bigger. It's really interesting seeing that, yes, there's a place for private prayer. I mean, Jesus told us to go into our closet, right close the door and pray, but it was to counter this idea that of standing on the street corner, of wanting everybody to see how, how spiritual you are. There's a real sense where seeking God's face in community is what magnifies the power of prayer in our lives. So he's talking about the power of prayer, but also the power of community. The importance of belonging, of being part of a community. The, the phrase among you signifies that, right? It's important. It shows that, that James is talking about um, prayer in community. It talks about involving the elders to pray for you. It talks about confessing sins to one another. And then again, it says, pray for one another when you have confessed, so you may be healed. So if you don't feel on top of the world, whether you're sick or, or you've sinned or you've made a mess of your life and you're not living the way you should, confess it to someone and have them pray for you. Community. Weekly, we see this in action in the recovery course, a place where there's enormous amounts of grace. Every week you can come and tell others about your life, your struggles, and be forgiven and prayed for. The stories of life change and healing are incredible. If you're looking for a place where you can confess your sins, where you can look for healing, that's, that's a place you can go to. If you're longing for life change, come on a, on a Wednesday night in the community center. center. So yes, prayer as individuals is important. But when we pray in community for one another, the power of prayer is magnified. Jesus encourages us to engage with God through community prayer. Prayer in community is, is pastoral care. We take care of each other. Because when you pray in community, maybe you don't know what to pray for, but someone else may know what to pray for. Or you may lack the wisdom, but someone else may have the wisdom. When you're at the end of your rope, there might be someone else that can appeal to God for you. And then in verse 13, James is talking about singing songs of praise, right? We just talked about it. And the, and the, and the, the word he's using is the Greek verb psalo, where our English word psalms come from. And it's used only on three other occasions in the New Testament, in Romans 15, in 1 Corinthians 14, and in Ephesians 5. And it's always used in the context of corporate worship, in community. <laughs> James wants us to know that there's power in prayer in community. 
we need to pray with and for each other. And he's reminding those early followers in Jesus that they need one another. There's healing and strength in community. You can't do this on your own. The idea of I don't need others to believe Jesus and to, and to follow Jesus and I don't need community is unbiblical. We are made for community. We are called to be in community. And one of the things we do in community is seeking God's heart together in prayer and agreeing with one another in prayer. There's power in prayer and it's magnified in community. All right, let's move to point three. Prayer is totally subject to God's will. Let me start out with saying that we must trust God for guidance in how to pray. There's, there's so much misunderstanding about this. Verse 15 talks about prayer offered in faith. What does that mean? God brings healing through prayer in faith. That's a phrase that has brought much pain to many. Oh, God hasn't answered your prayer. That's because you didn't have faith. When we ask God for something, you need to really believe it. If you don't really believe it, you won't get it. And if you didn't really get it, you didn't really believe it. It's your own fault. It feels like God becomes some kind of, I don't know, magician or Santa Claus or whatever. He will give you whatever you want as long as you really believe it. That type of name it and claim it religion has caused much hurt. It's all because we don't understand what praying in faith really means. And James helps us to understand. He explains what a prayer of faith is. Faith is to submit to God's will and God's plan in our life and in our sickness and our whatever our circumstances. Inherent in the concept with praying in faith is the idea of submission to God's will. James 4, verse 13 to 15, we read, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go do this or that, uh, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We are finite human beings. We will all die one day. We will lose loved ones. Pain and struggle are part of life and will come. It's not if you pray enough, it won't come. <laughs> to offer a prayer in faith is to approach God with the attitude that God can do something. That God can bring healing, can bring change to a situation. And to ask and pray with confidence that he actually can do that. And he has the character, that you trust his character. Right? Chapter 1 of James, verse 5 to 8. We, at the beginning of this series, J.D. talked about it. Let, let's, let's read it. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You shouldn't doubt. Well, now that sounds almost like I'm contradicting myself again, right? Sounds like what I just said. You just need to believe. But doubting, as J.D. taught us, doesn't have to do with 
doubting that God can do something or doubting that God will do what you ask him to do, it's doubting his character. It's doubting that he's good. It's doubting that he's all-powerful. It's doubting that he's compassionate and loving and graceful. Doubting that, that he really wants the best for us. Doubting that he is in control and use whatever circumstances for our good. Doubting that one day he will put everything right. Faith is to have an attitude that says, of confidence then, and then submit to, to um, God's will. Like we just read, instead you say, if it is God's will. All that we hope for remains contingent on God's will. His plan for our life. That's faith. I believe you can do it, God. But even if you don't answer my prayer in a way that makes sense to me right now, I still put my trust in you as my heavenly Father. And I trust, as we read in Romans 8, 28, that in all things God works for, good, uh, works for the good of those who love him. In all things God works for the good of those who love him. That's how Jesus lived. That's what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed fervently to the Father that there was another way, that he would change the circumstances, he would change his path. That's something he really hoped for, but then he said, not will, my will, but yours. And the Father did not provide another way. Did Jesus not have enough faith? <laughs> Was he doubting God? That's not it, is it? Jesus trusted the Father. And him saying, not my will, but yours, is an expression of trust. Sometimes God has other plans than we hope for. Plans that maybe make no sense to us now. But we can trust that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's what we trust in when we pray. Okay, last point. Prayer is an invitation and a means to restoration. God reminds us that we are all messed up. We do things that we should not do, and we fail to do things that we should do. Uh, we all miss the mark. We all stray from the path. And that's, that's not a judgment. That's, that's just who we are. That's the reality. He teaches us that there is a way that we can live our life transformed, healed, in community, through prayer, inviting Christ's forgiveness and restoration into our lives. He says, yes, I know you messed up. I know you've sinned, but come. I invite you, come. Confess your sin. Pray for each other. Be healing for you. James makes it clear for us that forgiveness and of sin comes in the context of confession. He wants to teach us that confession is not merely a mental activity that you do in private. But he brings the idea of community back here. He says confession is also a, a corporate activity that involves the people you've hurt or offended. That's right, we should, should seek restoration with people we've hurt. He highlights the, the importance of community in our healing and restoration. We need each other's support here. In the help in following Jesus, whether to bring humility and, and unity in the body of believers or to affect reconciliation between estranged parties, God clearly intended confession to be a part of life together. Confession and prayer can change you, restore you, 
he says, let's confess our sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you might be healed. So we see prayer being presented to us as an invitation and a means to restoration. James is teaching us that in order for us to be the people that God calls us to be, we have to come into community. Let's read uh, verses uh, 15 and 16. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. God intended prayer to bring the body together. So that when one person falls ill spiritually or physically, others in the community may may intervene redemptively. And God will use that confession and that uh, intervention in prayer to make the person well. Like I said, we, we see this weekly in the recovery course. Prayer is both an invitation and a means by which we find restoration. So let's recap. Prayer is always appropriate. Pray in all circumstances. The power of prayer is magnified in community. Prayer is totally subject to God's will. Trust God for the outcome. Prayer is an invitation and a means to restoration. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'd like to close with a quote from the famous scholar N.T. Wright. He wrote, Every Christian has not only the right but the vocation to engage in prayer. Prayer for one another, prayer for the sick, prayer for sinners, prayer for the nation, prayer for the world. If everyone who, who, who reads these words or, or hears these words were to determine to vote half an hour a day to prayer, to this task, the effect would be incalculable. They would all just do it for half an hour a day, or more, of course. But if that sounds too much for you, maybe fi twice 15 minutes, or three times 10 minutes, sounds more doable, doesn't it? In the last few weeks, I often felt hopeless when hearing about the conflict in Israel. But we serve a God who doesn't know the word hopeless. <laughs> He's a God of hope. With Him, there's always hope. So let's keep praying for world events. But I also want to encourage you, if you are struggling with something in your life, in secret, to come out and confess to someone Pray with them. Come and pray with our prayer team after the service. Come and pray on a Wednesday night at the Recovery Girl course. Come and pray maybe on Monday night when our Monday night prayer team prays every, every Monday for our church. You're very welcome to come. God is inviting you to find restoration. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.